Welcome, Warriors, to MDC. In this series, I'm examining every single goddamn page of the Secrets of Shadowloo supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game, intent on uncovering the single biggest secret on each page. Every episode covers one page, every episode is short. Secrets of Shadowloo was published in 1994 by White Wolf Game Studio. Today we're discussing page 62 of Secrets of Shadowloo. We are in the Shadowloo Adventures chapter, uh, which is all about different kinds of uh, campaigns and adventures that you can run for your Street Fighter players that involve Shadowloo as an antagonist. We've talked about uh, spy adventures, law enforcement adventures, silly baseball adventures, and today we're talking about adventures that are a horrible idea. To be specific, we are discussing the campaign concept entitled, quote, Shadowloo Dupes. I'm going to read you a lot of this one because it is full of red flags. This is a campaign concept I personally would not recommend without some significant modifications, but the basic idea is compelling, so I kind of want to go through all the little uh, beeping warning lights that you have to ignore to run with this bad idea. First of all, to get it out of the way, the secret of Shadowloo on this page is pretty much this whole thing, because it is premised on Shadowloo keeping a secret, specifically the secret that you, the player character, are actually working for them. Here's the text, quote, A sneaky kind of chronicle is one where the characters, unknown to them, are really unwitting dupes for Shadowloo. Perhaps the espionage agency or crime league they work for is really under the control of Shadowloo, and the characters are but puppets on bison's strings. That's a, that's a big conceptual red flag right there. Your employer isn't who you think he is, is one thing. Um, someone is withholding information from you to manipulate you, into acting in their interests. That's a separate thing. You are puppets on M. Bison's strings. That's, that's something else entirely. Because it's very easy in most cases for the player characters to be puppets on the GM's strings, especially if the players are like considerate and good players. They'll generally trust that if the GM is leading in a direction, that it's on them to kind of yes and the GM and, and figure out how to move in that direction. And it's a very frustrating, unfun reveal as a player when the GM springs on you partway through the campaign like, oh, you know all those times that you did the adventures that I had planned? You know all those times in this campaign that you trusted that I was driving the campaign in an interesting direction, doing collaborative storytelling? Well, guess what? M. Bison, and totally not me, was lying to you and you were his puppet all along. But you and me are still cool, right? But I got you. That sucks. That's not fun. <laughs> Although the text begs to differ. Quote, this is an obnoxious but fun chronicle to run, as the storyteller sees how many game sessions it takes for the players to get the clues and finally realize what has been going on. I am very dubious that there is such a thing as an obnoxious but fun campaign. Like, maybe the closest I can think of would be something like uh, Paranoia, where there's a deliberate, kind of tongue-in-cheek adversarial relationship between GM and player. At least in the versions of Paranoia that I've played, the GM is put in the position of kind of like playfully griefing the player characters throughout the session. But in my mind, there's a line there, and fun is on one side of it, and obnoxious is on the other. You never want to have a play experience where the GM is having fun using the players as kind of a prop, like laughing at them as they try to find their way through a maze. But that's exactly what's suggested here. It's suggested that the campaign will be fun because the storyteller will get to sit back and watch how many sessions it takes for the players to realize that they're being fucked with. There is a good point after that, though, that this can make for, quote, high drama and action, end quote, uh, when the PCs realize what's up and go tear everybody up, getting revenge on the people who've been manipulating them. That's fun for sure. 
if the heat is on the NPC. That's the thing. As a storyteller or, or a GM of any kind, you always have to figure out a way to get the heat on your antagonists. It occurs to me that I'm using like pro wrestling terminology here, that there's an outside chance someone listening doesn't know it. In pro wrestling, when someone has heat, that's an emotional attachment, usually negative from the crowd. So typically when we say someone has heat, it means that the crowd uh, hates them, boos them, wants them to lose. You want that feeling for the antagonists in your games generally. You want the players to be motivated to beat the bad guy and to feel good and feel rewarded when the bad guy is beaten or suffers a setback. But while it's good for the villains in the campaign to have heat, it's bad for the GM to have heat, which is what will happen if players start to perceive that it is not, for example, M. Bison or Vega, who is their foe, but you, the storyteller, who is thwarting them at every turn, then the heat's on you. And in that case, unless the players take the radical but understandable step of actually physically beating you up, uh, there will be no catharsis. Beating up M. Bison does not make you feel better about the fact that the GM is a dickhead. Anyway, one thing I appreciate while we're doing kind of an out-of-character uh, episode of the show is that all these different campaign ideas in Secrets of Shadowloo, they give you these adventure seeds. Uh, they give you a sense of the atmosphere that you're going for with some suggestions of like, hey, you could watch this movie or watch this TV show, and it'll give you a, a, a sense of what you want the players to feel. And they even list uh, some traits that would be useful for player characters to have to fit into this kind of campaign, which is a useful and underappreciated thing for a game to throw at you when it's giving you all these GM ideas. I like to see when a game pitches me a plot or a campaign idea, not only this is a cool idea, but who would it be cool for? What kind of characters would this be a good match for? And indeed, here we get some suggestions for atmosphere for the Shadowloo Dupes Chronicle. Uh, it suggests the Manchurian Candidate, the Prisoner, and a graphic novel referred to here as, quote, The Watchmen. Jesus Christ, this book and its fucking definite articles. Somebody has a problem. But anyway, it is suggested here that you can convey the horror of being manipulated by the Shadowloo by borrowing from the mood of something like the Watchmen. But I don't know about that. I mean, secrets are being kept in Watchmen, and certain characters uh, realize that they're being used on certain levels, but I don't think anybody is a puppet on anybody else's strings, at least not during the main action of the story. Really, I think this is just an example of a very common mistake that GMs make where you think of the feel of a campaign, but you can't look past how it feels for you as the GM, knowing everything that's going on. I think a lot of experienced GMs are good at understanding how the plot looks to the players as opposed to themselves, but it's a more advanced skill to understand how things feel for the players as opposed to how they feel when you have all the information and are the GM. And that's where this thing of like, little did they know that they were playing into the villain's hands all along. That's fun when you know about it and you're waiting for the player characters to catch up, but for the players, they're building a whole different feel while all this is going on only in your head as a GM. And then when you reveal it, you're just wrecking what they were trying to build by revealing that this whole time you've been telling a story just for yourself. And only now, like four or five weeks deep, are they invited to that story. But ultimately, I'm not totally unsympathetic to this idea. I'm a little bit on the fence about it. And it depends on how much of a secret this secret is. For a positive example, I'll give you the uh, suggested adventure seed for this campaign type, which is, quote, bucking the brass. And uh, this is a campaign where there's a conflict between a mafia family and Shadowloo, and whoever the players work for is sending them to like bust up mafia operations, but is ignoring any leads they discover about Shadowloo. And then eventually the players discover some info that maybe their superior is in bed with Shadowloo, at which point they can like kind of follow the clue trail and decide whose side they want to be on. I actually like this seed, and it's important that like the players are not in any way puppets of M. Bison during all this. They're in a very limited role doing something they want to be doing anyway in fighting this mafia family, presumably. 
And it's just that they're sort of being nudged and directed kind of toward one direction and away from another direction. The players know all about the conflict that's an existing part of the campaign. They know that it's Shadowloo versus Mafia. They have agency in that conflict, right? I mean, they might have a discussion among themselves. Hey, maybe we should back the Mafia family and uh, go after Shadowloo in this. The only secret is that their superior is not on their side and has secret allegiances. That's a secret that can be worked into the context of the existing campaign, the existing plot, the existing mood of this like gang war with the characters stuck in the middle of it. All that stuff works. It's not incoherent with what's gone before. The campaign up to the point of revelation is not a sham. That's the important thing. Conversely, and in closing, the main reason we're talking about this campaign type is because there's a suggestion here that is is too much secret. Like even for a cloak and dagger campaign, for my money, this is too much secret. And this comes in the uh, traits section that I talked about, about what traits player characters might want to have for this kind of story. Quote, the traits recommended depend on the, quote, fake chronicle the storyteller is running. Big red flag there. Your character creation advice to your players should depend on how you are trying to lie to them about what we're getting together to do every week. Uh, quote, the characters should probably have some rank in the manager background to represent a superior that guides them, a superior who is actually working for Shadowloo. So not only are you setting up a situation where you take an NPC that the player has created during character creation uh, and invested time and resources in and turning them into a plot device that's harmful to that player, but also you're asking the player to pay for it. You're saying, hey, I know you were thinking about having that cool arena to fight in out in the food truck lot with the balloon vendor. And when you beat your enemy, they release all those balloons into the sky. But you know what? If you took some dots away from that and didn't have that arena, you could afford a real kick-ass manager who I'm certain would serve you in good stead over the length of this campaign. You are, you are stealing this person's balloons is what you're doing. You are a balloon thief. And in service of what? A bullshit bait-and-switch campaign. In keeping with the theme of this season, which is Secrets of Shadowloo, what you're doing here is not only keeping secrets from the player about the, the plot or the setting, you're keeping secrets from the player about their own character. You're taking things they're establishing in character creation about their character and secretly deciding that some of those things aren't true and that you're going to spring it on them for your entertainment later. And that is, that is where we can definitively say that's too much secret. If I'm getting together with my peers to put on a production of Macbeth, but I've decided that secretly Macbeth is a werewolf and I'm going to spring that on them on opening night, it doesn't matter how good my werewolf voice is, and the answer, by the way, is not at all, it doesn't matter. I'm still an asshole. Because beyond the level of the fiction of Macbeth, we're a bunch of people who got together to do a thing, and I didn't do the thing. So what the hell? I hope you've enjoyed, or at least tolerated, uh, this foray into out-of-game analysis. Most of this book is just so on point that I feel very comfortable sticking with the world of the fiction. But in this case, it's a horrible idea. The text is encouraging you to keep secrets from your players. So not only is it glaring, but it's on theme for the podcast. I, I simply couldn't resist. Join me next time as we return to the world of the fiction and discuss infiltrating Shadowloo and Ormri Ganka on MDC. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret Patreon-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that RSS feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact or check out the show wherever you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. 
Street Fighter, and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This season's theme music, used under a Creative Commons license, is City Lights at Night by Revolution Void, whose work you can find at sites.google.com slash view slash Revolution Void, or at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash revolution underscore void. Thanks for listening. Now get lost. You can't compare with my power. <laughs>